Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be the one thing. Let's begin in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, beginning in the 38th verse, it says, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Verse 42 is very important for us to understand. It says, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. We find here that one thing is needful, Only one thing. Since this is the case, we need to find out what this one needful thing is. We find in this passage a stark difference between how Mary and Martha conducted themselves when Jesus was in the house. Verse 39 told us, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The word in Greek used for heard is akuo, which means to listen, to hear, to comprehend by listening. The concordance goes on further to say it means to hear God's voice, which prompts him to birth faith within. This gives us a deeper insight into what Mary was doing. She was not only outwardly listening and hearing, but she was also allowing the word of God, the word that Jesus was saying, to go down into her spirit and produce faith within her life. Romans 10.17 tells us, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. She went to where Jesus, the personified word of God, was speaking the word of God and sat next to him to hear him. And since she did, it naturally allowed faith to be produced within her life. Fayer's Greek lexicon goes further to say, Akuo means to attend to, to consider, to yield obedience to the voice, to be taught by God's inward communication, and to perceive in the soul the inward communications of God. She was attending to Jesus and his teaching. She was obediently listening and yielding to his voice. Her attending to and considering of his words allowed her to not only be taught outwardly, but also to be taught inwardly in the way that only God can teach us. She was attentive through her entire being, spirit, soul, and body. Once she yielded to his voice, his words were able to affect her at every level. This is what made the difference between her behavior and that of Martha. Martha conducted herself very differently. 
Verse 40 gives us a look at this difference. It says, but Marfa was cumbered about much serving. The Greek word used for cumbered is perispau, which means to draw away, to distract, to trouble greatly. Fair's Greek lexicon says it means to draw away, distract, to be driven about mentally, to be overoccupied, too busy, to be distracted with cares, to be troubled and distressed. This shows us that although she was trying to serve and be hospitable, she was missing what was right in front of her, allowing her mind to be drawn away and distracted by domestic concerns that could have waited and been handled at another time. She had God himself teaching in her very own house, but she was more attentive to the house than the God in her house. She was concerned with the wrong things. Her priorities were skewed. We find further evidence of this in verse 41, which says, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. The NSAB version of this verse says, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. The word bothered means disturbed. The Greek word for worried means to be over-anxious, to be distracted, to care for. Strong's Concordance goes on to say it means drawn in opposite directions, divided into parts, to go to pieces because of being pulled apart in different directions, the force exerted by sinful anxiety or worry. We understand from this that Martha was going to pieces because of her working, cleaning the house and preparing the meal. She was allowing her mind to be distracted by all different types of things. But even with all the different things that she was occupied with, she was still missing the one necessary thing. The one thing was always right there in front of her, but she failed to recognize it. We find that Mary and Martha and the difference between them show us a good picture of Christians today and the differences that exist between them. There are Martha-type Christians who are overly anxious and worried about too many things. They allow the cares of this world and the cares of this life to distract them from what is truly important. They allow their mind to get caught up on trivial things that don't really matter. And this leads to them going to pieces because of it. We are told to occupy until he comes. And this is good. We should be occupied. But we must also be careful because there is a way to be over-occupied or to be wrongly occupied. If our priorities are skewed and our focus is in the wrong place, it could be very harmful to our spiritual well-being. Doing so puts us on the road towards sinful anxiety and sinful worry. If our anxiety and worry are taking all of our attention and all of our time and energy from us so that we can't expend these things on what truly matters, then we're allowing our anxiety and our worry to usurp God's proper place in our lives. These are also the Christians who are always concerned with their outward service, wanting to be seen and noticed to the point that it becomes pretentious, while ignoring the inward private service of God that normally goes on behind closed doors, like prayer and worship and the study of scripture. Martha was only concerned with the outward service, ignoring the inward, referring to Jesus' rebuke of Martha in the Dake's Annotated Reference Bible, it says, He did not rebuke her serving, but her over-care in service. She did well in serving, but she left out the inward service completely. And many Christians do the same exact thing today. We can't allow ourselves to fall into the same trap. On the other hand, there are many Mary type of Christians. These are the Christians that keep first things first. 
They have their priorities straight. They're not easily distracted by the cares of this world. They're able to stay focused on what matters. They attend to and they take care of what's most important. They also serve, but they're able to strike a balance between outward and inward service. They're able to serve without neglecting those services that are inward. To the Marfa Christian, it may seem like the married Christian doesn't serve enough or do their fair share. But the married Christian is the one who spends time alone with God in prayer and in worship and time hearing his word through study of the scripture. And it's this inward service that prepares them and edifies them and builds them up so they can properly serve outwardly. This is why, like Mary herself, they are able to exhibit great faith and great wisdom. We are called to be Mary-type Christians who are able to choose that one needful thing. The first part of verse 42 said, But one thing is needful, and Mary have chosen that good part. We see from this that a choice was made. This is important to note for our study. The Greek word used for chosen is a klego, meaning to select, to pick out for the self, to choose, to elect or select. Strong's concordance goes on further to say, it's derived from ek, meaning out of, and lego, meaning speaking to a conclusion. It means to select, to choose out of, by a highly deliberate choice, with a real heart preference, with a definite outcome as with the destination of divine selection for salvation. Fayer's Greek lexicon says, The ground of the choice must lie in Christ and in his merits. Mary made a conscious decision for herself, and her choice was rooted in Christ, because she made the choice to sit at his feet and learn of him. We are faced with the same choice today. Are we going to be a Marfa Christian or a Mary Christian? The choice is up to us. Are we going to choose the good, needful thing? Or are we going to allow ourselves to be distracted? The choice is ours to make. No one else will make it for us. It has to be our conscious decision that we make from our heart, and we must root our decision in Christ. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, beginning in the 18th verse, it says, And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. So all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. We find here the parable of the rich young ruler. Verse 22 is crucial to our study. It says, Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. He was lacking one thing. What thing was he lacking? He was lacking that same needful thing that Mary chose. Jesus presented the young ruler with a choice. 
He could either sell and distribute all that he had and come follow Jesus, or he could continue living the way that he was originally living. We can tell by his sorrowful expression in verse 23 that he made the wrong choice. This is a practical example and manifestation of Mark 4.19, which says, And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. He was looking towards other things and missing the one needful thing. The word for follow in the Greek in verse 22 means to accompany, attend to, or follow. Fares goes on to say it means to join one as a disciple, to cleave steadfastly to one, to conform wholly to his example in living and if need be in dying also. This type of following is complete and comprehensive. It takes all of us, spirit, soul, and body. Being a disciple means you're a disciplined learner. It's not just a one-time decision. It's continual. It's a lifestyle. The rich young ruler had made an idol out of his wealth and possessions. And when the time came to choose between his wealth or God, he chose his wealth and he gave it the top place in his life. He counted the cost of following and wasn't willing to pay. Through Jesus' answer to the ruler, more is revealed to us about what the needful thing is. Following is the foundation for the next element of our study. Let's go to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, which is a psalm of David, beginning in the first verse, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Verse 4 tells us, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Our decision to surrender all to Jesus and following him prepares us to seek after that one needful thing. Seeking is active. We have to put forth the time and the effort and the energy to seek. Strong's Concordance says the term seek after used in Psalm 27 and 4 means to search out by any method specifically in worship or prayer, and by implication to strive after. David made his position clear. He was going to seek after the one thing that he desired of God, so that he could dwell in the Lord's house, which would allow him to behold God's beauty and to inquire of him. We search through our prayers, our communication with God, and through our worship. We also search for our study of the word. We cannot find anything in life unless we first seek after it. 
And similarly, we can never get wisdom and understanding from God unless we first search for them. When we are steadfast and actively seeking the one needful thing, we will be able to dwell with the Lord continually and always be able to behold and worship His beauty and to inquire directly from Him. Part of being a true disciple is following Him and seeking that good part that He desires for us to choose. David made up in his mind to seek, and he wasn't going to let anyone convince him out of it. We likewise, when we seek, need to have our minds made up. We need to be steadfast and not let anyone derail our search. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, beginning in the 27th verse, says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you, that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags, which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When we seek out and choose that one good thing, all the other things that we desire or that we're worried about or anxious about will be added unto us. Verse 31 says, Seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is important for us to understand when seeking. If Martha had only chose and sought after the one needful thing, all the other things that were bothering her would have been taken care of. While trying to focus on everything at once, she missed the only needful thing. We need to learn from this. When we're seeking after that good thing, we can't allow ourselves to get bogged down seeking after things that don't matter. We need to rightly order our priorities and correctly direct our search so that we can properly block out those things that are non-essential in favor of the one essential thing. In verse 33, we find a parallel with the rich young ruler. It says, sell all that you have and give alms. This is an order to lay up treasures in heaven. This is not calling us to poverty, but rather to getting rid of things that attempt to take God's place in our lives. This is a call to keep our priorities straight. Rightly directing our search is crucial. Verse 31 says, Seek the kingdom. We need to stay focused on the kingdom of God and stay kingdom-minded. We need to allow the kingdom to influence our day-to-day lives so we can better search. David also spoke about this. In Psalm 27 and 8, he said, When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. We need to direct our seeking, not only towards the kingdom, but also towards God himself. We have to use our renewed mind, the mind of Christ within us, and stay Christ-centered. We need to allow the Lord to influence our day-to-day life. The same way that we are called to rightly direct our seeking, there is also a way to wrongly direct it, and we must guard against this. Luke chapter 12 verses 29 to 30 says, 
And seek ye not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. If we are not properly directing our search, we will never find what we're searching for. After seeing all these different elements of making a definitive choice and seeking after, we are still left with the question, what exactly is the one needful thing? This is the question on everyone's heart, whether they realize it or not. The answer is simple. The one needful thing that we need in this life is God himself. Mary wasn't worried about everything going on around her. She was only concerned with attending to and hearing from God. She was kingdom-minded and centered her focus on God. It is evident throughout her life that putting God first was not a one-time occurrence. This was the way that she lived her life. We must remember that this is the same Mary who broke the seal on the alabaster box, costing over a year's wages to anoint Jesus and to wash his feet with her hair and tears. She truly was a follower, a disciplined learner, and she truly sought after God. David, like Mary, made the decision to choose God, the one needful thing in this life. When we choose and seek after God, we will be given all the other things that we need because he knows what we have need of. It is only because he is the one thing that we can find the other things. It's through him and because of him that we have and enjoy all the other things. We must give God his proper place as supreme in our lives. The rich young ruler didn't choose God. He chose to idolize his wealth and put it in God's place. He chose not to seek after and be taught of God, but rather to seek after more wealth. He never had the one thing, and he chose not to take it when he had the opportunity. We find many people make the same mistake today. The other type of mistake is when people once had the thing, but then choose to cast it off. Israel made this mistake. Hosea 8 and 3 says, Israel have cast off the thing that is good. The enemy shall pursue him. Once we have God, we can never allow ourselves to let go. He will never let go of us, and we need to do our part and cleave to him. Israel fell into idolatry, and they left the one good thing, the same good, needful thing that Mary chose. And this same good thing is available to us today. God himself is available to us, but we need to make the decisive choice for ourselves to follow him, to be his disciple, and to seek after him and his kingdom. This is the most important choice that we can ever make. We can't let it pass us by. Luke 10 and 42 says, And Mary have chosen that good part. The word for good means intrinsically good, good in nature, whether it is seen to be so or not, the widest and most colorless of all words with this meaning. Goodness is a part of God's character. It's an indelible part of who he is. The word part also means portion. The Lord is our portion, and he is good and does all things for our good. Like what was promised Mary, when we take the Lord as our portion, no one and no power in hell will ever be able to take our portion from us. Romans chapter 8 verses 38 through 39 tells us, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All we need to do is choose God, the one needful thing. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 24 to 26 tell us, 
The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you today that you are that one thing. Lord, we thank you that you are our portion and that no one will ever be able to take you away from us. Lord, give us the wisdom to make that decisive choice to follow you and to seek after you in your kingdom. And Lord, we want you and we desire you, not for the things that you can give us, although those things are good, but the thing that we desire truly in our innermost being is you, Lord. We want you for who you are because we know that you are good and we know that you are faithful. Lord, we thank you that you will give us the power and the ability to become a merry Christian who has our priorities straight. Help us to keep things in our life in order and give you that top place in our life that you deserve. Lord, we thank you that you will protect us from sinful anxiety and sinful worry, that you'll help us to keep everything in the way that it should be, in order. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us the ability to put our hope in you. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a good and faithful God. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want the one thing and to have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.